Welcome, everyone, to the Nomad on Fire podcast, the show all about the digital nomad lifestyle coupled with financial independence. We'll also be exploring tips and tricks on other lifestyle optimization strategies. I'm your host, Eric. Thanks for being here. Let's jump right in. All right, Anne Clausen, welcome to the Nomad on Fire podcast. Thank you, Eric. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, super happy. I was just on your show, Digital Nomad Stories. Now we got the mics flipped around here. Should be a really fun conversation for the listeners, probably here, all about traveling, digital nomading. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, But yeah, with that, if you don't mind, can you kick us off with your background and what your story is? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So um, my background is I studied law and business, um, got my master's in both. So I studied long and hard and then decided that I didn't want to take the dream job that was offered to me. That's like, quote unquote, dream job. Um, I my, my goal was always to uh, become a lawyer. Uh, and I'm an A lawyer, so I was I would be doing mergers and acquisitions, um, which is like very corporate at a big law firm. That was the goal. And when it was finally time, <laughs> when I finally had all the degrees and I was ready to go, go, I was like, you know what? I actually don't want to do this. And I don't really know why. Like I um, just didn't see myself doing that. I started asking myself, what do I like about this? And turned out to be not that much. Um, So I decided that this was probably not the way to go. And I always had this goal and I just put my blinders on and I was just like, okay, study, study, study. And then I kind of like almost reached a goal and I was like, you know what, this, this was an idea that I had 10 years ago and it's just not me anymore. Uh, I think I just got to know myself better and this is not it. <laughs> and I had no idea what I wanted to do then. Like what was the alternative? I don't know. So um Yeah, I was just looking at job boards just for ideas. And I thought about going into strategy consulting because that's my my auto degree that I have. And then I was like, yeah, maybe sounds slightly better, but it's still not super exciting, to be honest. And my friend called me, my friend from law school, uh, she had a gap year and she called me from Australia and she was like, it's amazing here. You should come to Australia and we'll travel together. So I was like... Yeah. Yeah. What what else am I going to be doing? I mean, sounds like like a solid plan. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was like, okay, cool. But then I want to make a stop in Southeast Asia and uh, backpack there for a little bit. And then we can go to Australia and we can do our working holiday there for a year. So that's what we did. We met up in uh, Southeast Asia and traveled around for five months. And then we went to Australia and I spent a year there, almost a year, 10 months. And at the end of that time, I was obviously completely broke and um, also still had no idea what exactly I wanted to do. Well, I I really, I knew that I didn't want to go home and start my corporate career. That was still the only thing I knew. Um, So then I decided, I I always knew like, oh, one day I want to have my own business. One day in the future, in the like very far future. Um, so then when I was working at a strawberry farm in Australia, between the strawberries, I had a lot of time to think and I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to try it. I have nothing to lose. I'm broke. I don't have a place uh, to live in, in, like, in my home country or anywhere. Uh, I'm super flexible now. I don't have anyone that I have to take care of except for myself. So if this isn't the perfect time to at least try it, then I don't know. Like, it's not going to be a better time after this. Um, So I took an online course. Uh, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I knew that I wanted to be a business owner, but what that business was going to be, still no idea. So I took an online course to become a VA, a virtual assistant, because I read good things about it. And I was like, you know what? This is just really broad and I can just check check it out and see how it goes. And um, it's also relatively easy to start making money that way 
you just help other people in their business. And at that time, I just really needed money. Um, and that's what I did. And one of the modules in that, in that course was actually podcast management. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, interesting. I never knew that there are people behind the scenes working on podcasts. I thought it's just a person talking to a microphone, right? Uh, but apparently it's a whole industry and people do the editing, audio editing and like all these behind the scenes things. So I was like, oh, really, really interesting. And I, I really enjoy the editing of the audio. So I was like, cool, I'm just going to do this. So I started freelancing and I found my first client. That was also a journey, but eventually found my first client <laughs> and my second. And yeah, that's that's kind of uh, how I started nomading and how I got where I am now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So many questions. Love. That's such a cool story. Love hearing people's like digital nomad kind of uh, what is it? Or origin stories, if if you will, right? To use like a superhero metaphor. So, what year? What year was it that you went to Australia? Just for some like timeline kind of context, I guess. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um. So I graduated in 2018 in the summer, and I left like literally right after <laughs> in September. Um, September 2018, I left. Uh, so then we traveled um, the rest of that year in Southeast Asia. And then just before New Year's, we were in uh, Australia. So the most part of 2019, I was in Australia. And then at the end of that year, I took the online course and uh, started freelancing. And then slowly that turned into my business that I have now. Oh, wow. Okay. So pretty recently. So really just like kind of 2020, you started, you started your, your business. Yeah. At the end of 2019. So it's, uh, it's, uh, this month it's actually two years old. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Congratulations. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about before we dig into that a little bit more. So like for the intro to your podcast, right. You talk about um, that podcasts have had like a major impact on your life. Like what are some of those shows that you listen to? And like, what was that impact? Did it just like completely change your mindset about things? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I think the show that, that literally changed my life, I never told him, but, um, Jason Moore's show zero to travel, that literally changed my life because when I was in university, I would listen to that show and it's about full-time travel and also a little bit about remote work, yeah, more about full-time travel or uh, traveling long-term. And that's where I learned that people do this, actually, that um, people just sell all their stuff and then find a way to just travel for a year or multiple years and make an income, uh, either working seasonal jobs or working online. And that, that did, this even existed. I had no idea. Um, so that's where I learned that. I was like, whoa, that's so cool. I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also learned that these people were actually uh, not that special. I mean, I, I learned that I could also do that if I decide to do so. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the podcast that impacted my life most, I think. Very nice. Yeah. I'll I'll have to link it up in the show notes so people can check that one out. I I love that though. Same thing for me. Like there's so many fire and digital nomad podcasts that really like completely changed my mindset and like, you know, philosophy, like outlook on life. Like I just powerless, like binge listening to so many podcasts, like back catalogs, if you will, just over and over again, I feel like really solidified and kind of changed my mindset. There's a bunch of great ones, probably too many to list, but two that are standing out to me, like fire drill. I really love that podcast for, for financial independence and then travel like a boss by Johnny. Oh FD. yeah. Yeah. He has a bunch of episodes. I think he has like 200 something episodes, but I want to say I've listened to like a a majority of them. Like there's some. Me too. Yeah. I do love that about podcasts. Like sometimes you just like love the host or the format or whatever it is. And you just want to just power listen to like the whole back catalog, which is awesome. 
Yeah, and just also hearing all the guest stories, I think that is so powerful because that made me realize that I don't have to be really special or I don't know, or like uh, with a very interesting background to do this full-time travel thing. Like all these different people with all these different backgrounds are doing it. So I could probably do it too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I love love hearing the stories just to... Yeah, get inspired and and yeah, believe like, oh, I can, you know, this person did it. I can I can do this too, for sure. Um, so picking back up on your story. So you started a business kind of like freelancing at first as like a podcast editor and kind of podcast management. And then I think you said you spent some time in like Southeast Asia kind of bootstrapping it. Can you kind of just talk about, yeah, like the beginning of, of your business and, and what that was like? Yeah, exactly. So I was in Australia um, when I decided that this is going to be the route to take. Um, So yeah, what I did is I just booked a flight into, um, I think, Indonesia. I went to Bali as most digital nomads, I think, do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was like, okay, I'll just go there and um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, So I just uh, went to Bali, booked a hostel um, and started uh, looking for clients. And that was also very interesting because most people there were just traveling. So I made friends who were just traveling for a few weeks and would go home and continue their lives. And for me, it was really the start of like a new life, new lifestyle. Um, So that was um, that was really interesting and different. And um, that's also the reason why I wouldn't necessarily stay at a hostel now anymore because you're just um, people there are really there for a holiday or even if they're long-term travelers, they don't have to work. Um, So that was uh, interesting to have experienced that. Um, And where did I go? Oh yeah. A friend visited me. Um, So I actually traveled around with her for a month. Uh, That was probably October yeah, October. And I wasn't too busy in my business yet. I was really setting everything up. So that was fine. It was just that I was spending my money, <laughs> like all that was left. Um, so then after that, I decided to go to Vietnam. I really loved it there when I was backpacking and it is really affordable to live there. So I just booked an Airbnb for, I think, a full month. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit here at my desk and I'm just going to build this business. This is where it needs to happen. And I think that month I literally spent for $400 or $500. Wow. <laughs> just like Airbnb and food. And that was all I did. Um, don't know if I would recommend it to people because I was <laughs> pretty unhappy of from not having any community. I was in Hanoi in Vietnam and there is not really digital nomad community there uh, it's just travelers who then also leave in a few days and staying in an Airbnb was it was not easy to meet people uh, so I was actually quite lonely I don't know if that would was actually the best approach to do it um, but yeah that's that's what I did uh, after that my dad visited me for the holidays so we traveled Vietnam a little bit for I think a week and a half which was also awesome. And then I already had some clients, I think two or three. Um, so I ha- had to juggle having my first few clients and I wanted to impress them, of course, while also traveling and spending time with my dad. Uh, so that was definitely a challenge there. And after that, I decided to go to one of the digital nomad hotspots, uh, Da Nang in Vietnam. And I had an amazing time there. There was such a cool digital nomad community. It was so easy to meet new people and to make friends. And it is really easy to live there. Um, There's a beach, which is awesome. Everything is very walkable. They have Western food. They have Vietnamese food. They have everything you want. And again, the cost of living was really low, which was great because again, I was still building my business and my income was not high at all at that time. Um, so yeah, that was really, really cool. And, um, that gave me such an opportunity to focus on building the business and not having to stress that much. I mean, I was still probably quite stressed about money because I, I started with zero. Um, again, wouldn't recommend it. It was really stressful, but then using geo arbitrage that way so that you can, you don't have the pressure to 
make I don't know 5k <laughs> immediately um that is uh, definitely a tip yeah for other people as well oh 100 percent yeah absolutely so I uh, yeah a few questions there so it seems like a lot of people you know I've chatted with a few people that maybe like that's kind of what they need to do like go somewhere cheap literally just Airbnb food and they just like focus and grind it out for a month. So I'm sure it, like you said, it was kind of lonely. It's, it sounds like it would be. Um, but you're saying you wouldn't recommend that or do you think like looking back, it was worth it to kind of like suffer a little bit, grind it out for that month to get like so much further ahead in the business. What's your, what's your thought? Um, I think it also is, is different for different people, but for me, if I would have to do it again, I would probably go to Danang immediately or somewhere where there's a really good digital nomad community. Um, I just realized that community is so important to me. And when I'm happy and I feel good, I can also give 100% for my business. And I couldn't really do that when I was all alone in Hanoi in my Airbnb. And um, especially just going through the ups and downs of business, like the roller coaster of finding clients, um, which was actually really tough, just like emotionally, mentally, it was tough um, for to me at least. I think maybe some people don't don't have this um, this challenge as much, but for me, I had no experience getting clients, and then all of a sudden. Um, I had to find clients on the internet. Like, how do you do that? And now it's it's not a problem anymore, but it was so new to me. And I think if I had that community that I could ask questions and just have a um, some kind of network, I think that would definitely has, have helped me. But um, then again, I mean, uh, I probably need, needed to go to, through this experience to then learn this lesson. Uh, and it's. Pro- I also think that it's it's different for everyone. This is mm-hmm. just, I think, for me, I wouldn't do this again. Gotcha. Okay. No, yeah, that's a great insight. I appreciate you sharing that. I think that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like you were saying having a better balance, like just focusing on work was like too much. You kind of need that community support, a little bit of time to like de-stress and be social, like have fun, go out with people and stuff. So yeah, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. I think for me, I kind of experienced the same thing. I would say like when I was in Chiang Mai, I would say that was probably when I was the most productive during my travels. And I did have a, a nice balance. Like I had a good routine of working out, going to the co-working space, working. And then definitely I'm not like a huge partier. So I'd say I wasn't going out and like staying out super late and having a lot of drinks or anything like that, but had a good group of friends that we would just go out to dinner. There was like a board game cafe, which I had never been to one of those before. So that was super fun. Like we would just go and play Catan or something. Um, So yeah, I think having that balance and a little bit of time to de-stress, like that's, that is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, it's so important to just unwind, especially when everything is new like you have all these new experiences, even if you're just sitting at your desk, looking at a computer screen still, like there's so much going on in your head. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just, I was so overwhelmed and actually overworked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, I think having that uh, time with friends or just like going for a beach walk or like anything that you can do or going to a yoga class or work out. I think that's so, so important. I realize that now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. So tell me about uh, Da Nang. Like I have, I have never been there. I, to be completely honest, like did not really know that that was a city in, in Vietnam until I was traveling over in Southeast Asia. And then I, I had some other friends that were like, oh yeah, we're here. Like it's, it's great. It's amazing. I was like, dang, I really want to go there, right? It's right on the beach, right? I was like, this looks so cool. I'm definitely a beach kind of tropical guy. I love being right on the ocean. Um, But just with the timing, I I was only able to spend like five days in Hanoi, I think it was, and I didn't get a chance to visit there. So yeah, if you don't mind, can you kind of tell the listeners like more about Da Nang? You said it has a great like digital nomad kind of community. Are there, you know, big like co-working spaces, like any places you want to shout out of like where you met some cool people? Yeah, well, um, 
where I met the, the coolest people was actually at the digital nomad meetups that they have. I think it's every other week on a Friday evening or something like that. Um, there, there was at least before the pandemic and everything, there was a digital nomad meetup and that was really great. It was just at a restaurant you walk in and there's this long table with other digital nomads. Um, so it's a little bit, I mean, for me as an introvert, Slightly intimidating to be like, hello, is this a digital nomad meetup? Um, please welcome me now. But um, it worked so well. Uh, I met amazing people there. And it was just, like I said, it's so easy to live. Um, so in Da Nang, it's actually two parts of the same city. Um, there's the beach. And then there is, I don't know, like a part where most of the digital nomads actually stay. Then there is a river with a bridge. And then there's the rest of the city. And that's where, where it's really busy and it's all the hustle and bustle and uh, a lot of uh, locals on motorbikes screaming at each other, like the uh, classic Viet uh, Vietnamese city. Um, but then on the beach side, it was actually really quiet ish for Vietnam um, because they are usually quite loud. But I think on the beach side, it was definitely more quiet. It was really walkable. So So you could just walk everywhere. I didn't even have a motorbike when I uh, was living there. And that you have some co-working spaces, um, but they were quite small. I went to a co-working space that was, I think, quite new when I was there. And you had like three hours of co-working for a really cheap rate. Uh, so I would just go there for the three hours and like full focus, three hours of work. And then I could just leave and enjoy the rest of my day. And you have some beach bars um, that were really great. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a little bit of everything. And there's also, if you like nightlife, um, I did back then, not anymore, but uh, there's also really cool bars and clubs where you can go. So it, it basically has everything from a big city, but it feels a little bit like a beach town. So that was really cool. That's what I liked about it so much. Oh, awesome. Okay, sweet. Uh, yeah, it's definitely high on my list of, of a place to visit. Was it uh, pretty affordable there as well? Like, do you remember how much you, you spent for the month? Yeah, it was really affordable. Um, they had a lot of options for Airbnbs and hotels and everything. They're actually, we're still building a lot of hotels. So this is, of course, like before the pandemic. So I don't know how it is now, or I mean, after pandemic, maybe everything will be different, but they were, um, the tourism in Da Nang was really growing. They were expecting more and more tourists over the years. So they were building a lot of hotels and that also meant that the, um, rates were really, really affordable because there were so many hotels and not that many tourists yet. Um, so that was actually great. Um, Yeah, what did I spend? I think also around $500 for a month. It was really, wow. really affordable. Maybe even less. Um, I think I spent 200 euros. So that's probably $250 wow. for accommodation for the month. And also uh, Vietnamese food was awesome, but it also had a lot of Western food. They had this vegan place where you can get a vegan bowl of, uh, I don't know what was all in like, like veggies and hummus and I don't know, all the, all the good stuff. And that was also like maybe $5. Um, so even the Western food was really affordable and that's definitely different in places like Chenggu, Bali. Um, it was really cool. It was, I think it is how I would imagine Chenggu to be five or 10 years ago. I think uh, when it was still okay. up and coming. Yeah. That's how I would uh, compare it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a good, that's a good description. Cool. So then kind of picking up on your journey, like where did you go after, after Da Nang? Oh, good question. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> I had to think. Um, I, my visa expired um, and my friend from back home, my best friend from high school, she was going to visit me in Thailand, uh, but like two and a half weeks later after my visa expired. So I was like, okay, well, doesn't really make sense to now get another visa and all that or do a visa run. So I'll just go to Thailand. I'll make sure that I get all my work done so that when she visits, 
um, I will just have all my time for her and we can just chill and I don't know, just spend time at the pool and uh, explore Thailand a little bit. We were also at a part of the country where I uh, didn't go before. So that was really exciting. Um, so my flight landed. I just said goodbye to all my friends. So I was kind of sad. And I booked a hostel because I was like, I need friends. Learn from my previous previous experience. So I was like, I'm going to stay in a hostel so that it's just easy to meet people. And it was a really small hostel. But I walked in and there was a guy in my hostel room. Uh, so I just asked, hey, do you want to go to dinner? Because I'm super hungry. Just got off a flight. And he was like, yeah, sure. And um, that guy actually lives here with me now because that's my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, from that moment on, we, I don't know, we just uh, traveled together for a little bit. Um, well, first he just asked me, do you want to go to the beach tomorrow? I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I didn't think anything of it. I mean, just backpackers, right? And then he asked me, okay, so do you want to go to uh, a different island to Colanta the day after? And first I was like, I don't know if I can do that with a dude. I don't know. Like, <laughs> is this safe? I don't know. But I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to go and we'll see. And yeah, uh, we stayed there for two weeks. Then the pandemic hits. Oh, no. First, my friend visited and he actually met my friends. Uh, we traveled together for maybe two or three days. And then he went to Bali. And I had my flight booked to go back home to the Netherlands after almost two years away. Um, and I was going to fly home with my friends. But then the pandemic hit um, and borders started closing. And we were like, oh, shit, <laughs> we probably need to make a move now before we're in Thailand <laughs> right? <laughs> or I don't know how long with this crazy virus going around. Um, so um, the guy, his name is Finn, asked me if I wanted to come to Bali instead of going back to Europe, because in Europe, it was actually not looking very good um, with the virus going around. So um my friend decided to go home earlier and I decided to book a flight to Bali instead of going home. Um, just taking a chance there. And <laughs> so the first five months of the pandemic, we spent in Bali, which was really, really awesome. I actually flew in on the last day that it was possible that they were giving out visas. And that was the most stressful flight of my life. Um, <laughs> I was like, if I if this flight gets delayed for a few hours, I'm fucked. <laughs> I hope Damn. I can say that on your podcast. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Maybe edit that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I also had a, um, a short layover in Singapore, and it was just so unclear. They didn't give me my boarding pass for the um, second leg of my flight. But usually they always do that, right? At least I never experienced this. So I was like, oh my God. In Singapore, I had to go to a um to this to these people working at the airport and to get my second boarding pass. So I wanted to stand in line and this security guy was standing there. He's like, Where are you going? So I said Bali and he said, Oh, I think that flight is canceled. I was like, mm, oh what? <laughs> um uh, so he said, Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure, just stand in line. There was nothing going on. I could just get my flight. He was just, he had no idea. Then why do you say that? <laughs> yeah. <Jeez. laughs> so stressful. But yeah, I uh, arrived there safely. Uh, it took me a year of my life, uh, <laughs> stress-wise. <laughs> but eventually, yeah, uh, arrived there. And we spent there for, uh, five months on Bali, also with lockdowns and everything. And then the visa situation uh, became very unclear. Until then, we were in, on an emergency visa, so we could just stay, and no one asked us to go to immigration or anything. We didn't have to renew it, but they were changing that. They wanted to see money from the tourists that were still there, uh, obviously. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, so we had to go to the immigration office and ask for an extension of our visa, but the rules were just so unclear, and like everything changed day by day, hour by hour even. And then you cannot, I mean, at least I cannot read Bahasa. So someone had to translate it. And then there are all these Facebook groups with one person saying this and the other person saying that. 
that also became really stressful, actually. And at that time, I was uh, away from home for two years. So I was like, you know what? I'll see this as a sign and I will just book my flight home now. Uh, so that's what we did in August uh, last year. So now we're, we've been in Europe for the past year. August of 2020. Got Okay, cool. Got it. Yeah. Um, that's super. Well, glad you made it there, like safely and everything worked out. That's so interesting because I actually was like the opposite. Like I was leaving Bali like <laughs> yeah. in, in at the end of March 2020. And I was like the reverse. Like I think I was on one of the last flights through Australia before they like shut a bunch of stuff down. So I, I had the like opposite problem. You were like stressed. Am I going to get into yeah. Bali? And I was like, shoot, <laughs> yeah. am I going to get out of here? Like, lo- yeah, the flight like made it. It was, um, uh, Dem- yeah, Dempasar to Sydney. And then I was just like waiting for that Sydney flight, like to board. I was like, please like let this plane yeah. take off. Like at that point I was just like, I want to get home. And then thankfully like made it and it was, it was good. It worked out. Um, but how, like, how was Bali during, I guess, yeah, March to August of last year? Like, were there a bunch of masks? Like, were places locked down? Were they closed? Like, how, how was that? I'm just curious because that's like the place that I left. So I'm like, what would it have been like mm-hmm. if, I, if I stayed there? Yeah, uh, it changed a lot, uh, like week to week, actually. Um, so when I arrived, I don't remember. I, I, I think everyone was already wearing masks, but in Asia, it's already quite common, I think, at least more common than in Europe um, to wear masks when you're on your motorbike. Also, just for the air uh, air pollution, like the air quality is sometimes quite bad, uh, especially when you're on a motorbike driving behind other motorbikes. Um, so it wasn't that was not even that strange. But basically what it was when you leave your house, you put your mask on. And when you come home, you take it off. And in between, you just wear your mask. Walking the street, driving your motorbike. I mean, no one ever walks the street in Chengdu anyway. So driving your motorbike, you wear a mask. Going into a store, you wear a mask. And um, also going into a restaurant and everything. And then I think about a week after we arrived, or maybe two weeks, um, there was a lockdown, um, which was also quite scary, actually, because like how much are they gonna lock us down like can we get food and you know it was it was just strange but um restaurants were closed you could get takeaway so we could still what we did every day was just uh, order food over grab um that's like the uber in uh, southeast asia for if people don't know that and uh, it's just uh, someone who delivers your food which is awesome um so we did that every day that's just kept working and they also closed off the beaches which is such a shame like you couldn't even go to the beach oh jeez! when they close something in bali they like literally close it off there were huge fences and people that i don't know if they were actually security guards but like that i don't know self-proclaimed security guards <laughs> um so you couldn't not even go to the beach um and that lasted for maybe five or six weeks and then beaches opened and a little bit later restaurants opened and most digital nomads left i think like you most people just went home or went somewhere close to the home uh, so it was very quiet um which was interesting because usually in, in Chengdu, it's it's quite busy on the streets, like so many people driving a motorbike or and at the beach is always really busy over sunset. And now there was there were not that many people and it was less and less people. So that was that was really interesting, but also really sad to see like some restaurants that are usually doing quite well. were just empty every day. Yeah. Uh, so for the local, it was actually, I think, really tough and still. We also took uh, some weekend trips when everything opened up a little bit more. Uh, we went to Lovina. We um, swam with dolphins there. And usually that's also something that all the tourists do there. So the, um, got our guide told us usually there are like 50 boats in the water um, at sunrise and everyone 
it like chases these dolphins and everything, which is, I think, quite stressful. If I was a dolphin, I would be totally stressed. Um, so probably good that that wasn't going on now. But now there were four boats and we were one of them. So we could swim with dolphins. We didn't even have to chase them or anything. They were just close to our boat. So that was an awesome experience. But it also shows like there were literally no tourists. Um, yeah, so um, for us, it was actually... Uh, quite a good time to be there but then Mm -hmm. for the locals it's not not great yeah yeah that makes sense yeah i remember like the i was at like a guest house and i remember talking to like the host the the person that ran it and he was like yeah like you know most of his income is dependent on tourism and for the like you know next few months he said like 90 percent of the people had canceled and stuff it's just so crazy yeah but accommodation was also actually really, really affordable because there was no one to rent all the Airbnbs. So we got a, they call it a mini villa. Um, so it was it was literally a mini villa with a, with a private pool, one of these small pools, but still. Wow. Um, just all to ourselves with a little kitchen and everything. And I think usually you pay maybe $1,500 for that per month. And or maybe even more, probably in, in when it's uh, when it's the, the travel season there, probably more. But we paid five hundred dollars per month wow. for that, uh, which was really really great. And we stayed there for like four, no, I think three or four months. Uh, we stayed there, which was amazing. Like usually we wouldn't have done that, but now it was such a good deal, and we had our own little pool and everything. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, yeah. So then August, you go back to Europe. So then where, yeah, where did you decide to to go in, in Europe when you headed back? Yeah. So first of all, I really wanted to go home, uh, see my parents and my friends. Um, but again, it was middle of the pandemic. It was actually not a great time to visit people in general. And um, so um, my mom picked me up from the airport and I stayed with her for a few days. Then I went to my dad um, and I stayed with him for a few weeks. Uh, but I, I didn't really visit friends because the Netherlands was in lockdown. So there was not much to do. And I was also like, I just came from this different country. Like, I don't want to spread the virus here. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm already happy when I see my parents because it's been two years. Yeah. Um, so I was like, it's fine. And then I went to Germany because my boyfriend is from Germany. So I met his parents for the first time. Um, we stayed at his parents' house when they were also on uh, holidays. Uh, they went with a camper van. Uh, they traveled around. So it's like the, I think, the typical COVID holiday that so many Europeans yeah. took. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched the house and all that. And then we, um, I went to the Netherlands again we did a long distance relationship for a few months because I was like I want to travel again when it's possible I want to travel again so we were kind of waiting before it got easier and it didn't for a long time yeah. so we also got an apartment here in Germany for three months um rented that temporarily for also from someone who was working abroad um so then I was like okay after this I want to leave again and it just wasn't a perfect time yet. I mean, is there a perfect time? I don't know. But it was just such a hassle to travel. that, And I had such a traumatizing flight to Bali. And I was like, oh, I just don't want to go through all of that again, all of that stress. Um, so we were kind of in the middle of like, mm, should we get a place here? Should we wait till we can travel? And like, in theory, you can travel right now. So do we want that? And um, so that was kind of uh, the questions that we asked ourselves. And I was just so sick of having a long distance relationship that I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just time to get a place here and um, we can still leave. It's it's not it's not like we, we need to be here every day. We can still do, especially um, shorter trips in Europe, there's so much in Europe that I still want to explore. There are also some digital nomad hotspots that I've never been. I mean, I haven't been a digital nomad in, in Europe before this, this mm. experience. So I'm actually really excited about that. <clears throat> um, yeah. 
Yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, we were kind of chatting about it a little bit on on your show. We we recorded right before this, but yeah, what are your thoughts on kind of like the hybrid lifestyle? Like having having a home base. Like, did you have to? Was it like truly like you rented a place? Did you have to buy furniture, or was it like a furnished place? So you're still kind of nomading. What? Yeah. What are your kind of thoughts on that? Um. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was so difficult to commit to something for me um I was really struggling with that like I still wanted to travel and just have all this freedom that I felt like I worked so hard for um like building my business and being broke for so long just so that I could travel and that I didn't want to go back to a corporate or even start a corporate career so I was like no I don't want to commit um but yeah eventually it just became such a pain to not see each other for so long and um even though the Netherlands and Germany they're neighboring countries but uh it's relatively small uh far away uh it's like six hours away from each other that we were uh for for us in Europe that's very far um mm-hmm. <laughs> probably Australians and Americans are like only six hours but um <laughs> yeah to me that's far and <laughs> um uh, the apartment that we so yeah I, I I was also looking into furnished apartments temporary apartments again like we did before uh, the three-month apartment that we had and I was like yeah I don't want to commit to to something and not, like decorate an apartment and then leave again but then eventually I think it's also really nice to really have a place of our own so yeah. have our own furniture and just have my own blender so nice to have that (laughs) um like after airbnb hopping for so long it's actually yeah i found it really exciting and i i lived on my own before i sold everything of course and i always really appreciated having a place of my own just my own space with my own furniture and it was a really small apartment i was a student and i was super broke so it was a really tiny apartment, but it was all mine. And I love that idea that I could just go there. I'm also an introvert, so I need alone time. Uh, so I always love that. And I literally cried when I sold all my stuff and I had to leave my apartment. <laughs> so now I was also like, you know what, this is also an opportunity to have that again, to have this, just my own space again, and not uh, stay in someone else's space, like someone else's Airbnb or whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see this as an opportunity. And we started looking for apartments, just different ones, furnished, unfurnished, uh, and just wanted to see what what, were, what would work out. And we did a few viewings and stuff and n- nothing really worked out. Like they always picked other people and were like, why? We're awesome. But <laughs> I mean, that, that, they didn't see it. Um, and then I had an interview for my podcast and we talked about um, settling down versus traveling. And um, this lady that I interviewed, she also, she bought a house actually. And she also has kids now. And she decided to settle down way more instead of just full-time travel. And she decided that she really also really wanted her own space. And she told me, you know what? You shouldn't see it as a prison. It's not a prison. You don't need to be there every day. You can still go and you can come back, which is actually really cool. And after that interview, I was like, oh my God, she's so right. I felt such a fear of commitment. Um, and I, yeah, I got to release that fear a little bit. And then the next day we got a phone call that we could have this apartment. Mm. Super crazy. But I think I just had to switch that mindset and then here we are. Yeah. So we had to uh, buy some furni- furniture uh, like we had a few things like um, especially my boyfriend has some big furniture like a couch and a bed and um, a table and stuff like that uh, so that was a huge relief that we didn't have to buy that but then all the small things all the kitchen equipment and uh, pans and pots and plates and everything we had to buy um, but now it's all ours which is actually pretty cool <laughs> 
For sure. Well, that's awesome that the that the stars align there. And especially with that interview and stuff like, yeah, I think so much of it is just your your mindset and just like changing your perspective on stuff. I went through the yeah. same thing. Like I had gotten rid of all my stuff. And then originally I like at first I was like, oh, I want to just get like a furnished apartment. Like I don't want to have to buy a bunch of stuff again. But then yeah, that didn't quite work out. So, yeah, ended up buying things again so now i have my you know i have a tv a couch you know a bunch of different stuff that are my own but i think there's you know as much as i love the digital nomad lifestyle like there's definitely pros to living a more traditional stationary lifestyle that's probably why probably why most people do it do it like it is it is nice (laughs) to have it is nice to have your own things sometimes um i think the community aspect is also a big one for me like I do really love being back in Austin. My brother good got a good group of friends. So, but yeah, I think it's it's kind of cool that we both have have kind of decided or or at least are exploring like a more hybrid option, kind of having that home base, uh, but then still being able to travel for part of the year or go on those shorter trips. So yeah, that's yeah. what I'm currently. That's what I'm working towards. You know, fingers crossed that I can travel a little bit more than I am now and kind of have a good like hybrid digital nomad slash stationary life. Yeah, same. Yeah. I I think uh, it will be awesome to also come back home from a trip, uh, which is an experience that we usually don't have, right? As full-time travelers or digital nomads. Um, I think it would be great to also have a place that you can recharge and that you don't have to think about where am I going to live? (laughs) Like next week, where am I going to stay? No idea. Like you don't have to have that experience anymore. And I found it especially difficult here in um, Germany, which is not my home country and my home country of the Netherlands to find a place like Airbnb is just really expensive. Um, So if I would come home, I would have to stay with my parents. I could that like an Airbnb for a month is just, such a waste of money actually (laughs) so I couldn't really um, do that uh, too often so I had to stay with someone I hate staying at other people's places Um, no offense to other people but I just (laughs) really value my own space Mm. Um, (laughs) so then this is uh, this is the way and I think for me it was also a mindset shift that I was like you know what I could also rent this out if we want to go on a big trip we could just rent it out always an opportunity there. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, I definitely have been considering like looking at houses more in terms of like buying a house here in Austin. Unfortunately, the like real estate market here is crazy and everything is super expensive, which isn't uh, ideal. But I've thought about that as well. Yeah, like Airbnb or if I want to leave for longer, I could just yeah have a longer lease and, and have someone live there. So definitely some some options there to consider. Cool. So I think next I wanted to to ask you about just kind of like, um, I want to ask about the podcast, but also your business. Like where, where are you at with your business now? Um, you know, maybe share any numbers, I guess, that you're comfortable with, but like, I guess, how has, has that evolved and like, what have you built it into now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The business actually changed so much since I started as a freelancer because from freelancing, I realized that I really like some tasks that um, you, that we do in podcast management, but definitely not all of them. Uh, I really love audio editing, but then all the tiny tasks of like scheduling and uh, writing show notes, which is also a big task. I don't enjoy that as much as audio editing. And um, I also had this feeling that I think a lot of freelancers have. Um or at least I heard a lot of freelancers talk about this, that I was only working on other people's stuff and not on my own stuff. Um, and I kind of missed that. Um, so I started after working with clients for a while, I was like, you know what, this podcasting thing is cool. I want to do that too. So I started Digital Nomad Stories um, with different name, different branding, all of that, but it's now Digital Nomad Stories. And um, then that was cool. Uh, but also took up a lot of time actually that I couldn't spend on client work. And then a few months later, my biggest client kind of screwed me over by just breaching the contract and um, 
not honoring any cancellation policy whatsoever. So one day to another, about 60 or 70% of my income was gone. Oh and I was gosh. like, this is a problem. This is not sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> I need to change something here. Um, so all three of these things of not, not working on my own stuff and having to do tasks that I didn't love and also depending so much on clients um, made me decide to pivot, uh, change my business model. But then I was like, okay, what am I going to do then? Do I want to make it an agency? Mm, I don't know. But I also had this experience of working with all of these different podcasters and seeing the behind the scenes, how they run their podcast. So um, also going to business school, I think that's also has something to do with it. I really saw patterns like, oh, this is what she's doing and this is really working. And oh, this person does that. It's not working. And I, I was like, you know what? I just want to share this with other podcasters so that we can all have a podcast that's doing amazing. Um, so I pivot, I pivoted my business. I uh, rebranded, renamed it, uh, different offers, different business model. And that is what it is now, uh, the Podcast Babes. It's called the Podcast Babes. I don't know if you mentioned that. I also have a podcast, which is also called the Podcast Babes. And I always had this feeling like, okay, as a person who helps other podcasts, I probably need my own, right? Um, and I had digital nomad stories, but that was more of my passion project. And um, I was like, yeah, I probably should use podcasting to tell people about the podcasting knowledge and experience that I have. It's kind of obvious, right? Um, <laughs> so I also did that. So I had this huge rebranding. Um, which was also tough. Like I thought, okay, I'm super clear on my message now. Let the clients come. And I fired all my old clients, um, <laughs> mm. which was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a tough time because I was super excited about my new brand. And my clients, my potential clients, my audience needed more time to get used to this whole new look and business and offer that I had. Uh, so that was definitely tough times in my business. I uh, didn't make much money then. Um, but yeah, since then, I uh, managed to build it up and still building, of course. I also offer podcast management again because um, I really saw a need with clients or potential clients who were not there yet to hire me um, as a podcast coach because they were still spending so much time editing and managing their own podcast. And they couldn't spend time working on podcast strategy or promotion or really growing it because they were just producing the podcast and they sp were spending all their time on that. Um, so I now also have a very small but a team <laughs> that helps me with all the tasks that I hate. And um, they're also way better at it. So that is really awesome. So now I can focus on what I'm good at and other ladies can also focus on what they're good at. So yeah, that's what we do now. That's the big change that we have made since two years ago. Oh, wow. That's yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool that you offer like the podcast coaching and kind of sharing all those best practices and still are able to do the management. I think that makes a lot of sense, like outsourcing and having just a team to help you. And then that is really nice. You can focus on like what what you love and what you're best at and have some people that are are better at other things work on those things that you don't like as much. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Where, uh, I guess, where did you like outsource or find like team members? Do you have like VAs helping you or like, how did you find folks to, to join the team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I decided to look for um, people. Well, ladies, I only work with women because it's the podcast babes. And I find it really important to give these opportunities to women. Um, and um I decided to look for people who are interested in podcasting, but don't have a whole lot of experience yet, uh, again, to provide that opportunity, but also because I love teaching uh, people what I do uh, and what they can then also use. And um, yeah, so that's, that's what I did. So I um, looked for people with a little bit of VA experience uh, who I then can teach podcast management. And that's been... Um, 
working well. I well, I must say, like my hiring process, I haven't really mastered that yet. <laughs> so uh, what I did until now was just um, post in a Facebook group. But that was a bad idea because I got like 200 emails in 24 hours or something crazy like that. And then I just deleted it really quickly because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through 200 emails. Um, so I'm still working on that to make that a little bit more efficient. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see with the next hire <laughs> what I'm going to okay. do there. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, how about, I want to give you some time to, to chat about, uh, your podcast real quick. So digital nomad stories. So like, when did you start it? What's it all about? I'll link it up in the show notes so people can, can check it out. But if, yeah, if they listen to it, like what can they expect? Yeah. So, um, the podcast is all about digital nomad life, of course, but also about travel, remote work. And we have awesome guests like Eric, um, <laughs> you were on a <the> show <laughs> yes. and yeah, that's basically what we, what we talk about. So it's a lot about how people became a digital nomad, why, what they do. And, um, also their story of how they live life. Like what is their work-life balance is a question uh, that I ask often and, um, yeah, like what their future plans are and what they do with all that freedom that we then acquired, uh, from being a digital nomad. Um, so yeah, that's what we go into. And there is a new episode every Monday. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. I will link it up in the show notes so people can check it out. And yeah, you do a great job of, of hosting it and, and great questions and everything. So yeah, people should definitely give it a listen, add it to your podcast subscriptions. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And I uh, want to wrap it up here pretty soon. A um, couple more questions I have for you. I guess next one. What we kind of chatted about it a little bit, but what do you think your like future travel plans are? Do you have any like destinations in mind or is it still kind of up in the air? What is what does that look like? Oh, yeah, that's a very difficult question because I want to go everywhere, um, <laughs> not just where I haven't been before, but also where I have been before. Um, so that doesn't really narrow it down. What I usually do is I just look up flights and then I have a few options in mind and then I go to the cheapest one. Um, so that's usually what I try to do. But now, of, of course, that's a little bit more difficult. Um, so I think... I'll be enjoying our new apartment for a while and taking just short trips. Um, I just got back last weekend. I went to Munich, another city in Germany, which I really enjoyed, um, just away for three days, which was actually awesome. So I might do a few of these shorter trips, um, like city trips. And also really high on my list is Portugal. But it's getting colder now, so it's actually not the best destination. Nation, the best destination, I think, in winter. Um, so that's probably going to be next year. And also the, by the end of next year, I also want to make a big trip, and, and then, like we talked about, potentially rent out the apartments and then go for like six months or eight months or I don't know, uh, longer time, and then, yeah, I don't know, far away. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, very cool. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll be excited to follow along with your journey and see where your, your travels take you to. Cool. Uh, and last question here. Uh, I love asking people about daily habits. I'm kind of a you know personal productivity nerd. I just like hearing about what people do to you know help make them happy, healthy, successful. So what are some of those things that you try to do consistently that improve your life? Yeah, really good question. I will, I also try out different things because I know that I can probably improve this. <laughs> what I really notice is that I am a morning person. So I try to get as much work as I can done in the morning because in the afternoon, I'm just not as productive anymore. In the evening, I just cannot do work. Um, even doing podcast interviews is difficult for me because it's just so difficult to focus. Um, so just knowing that I try to really protect my energy that way of listening to my body and my brain and what works best. 
So that's basically my strategy that I use every day. And I should probably work out more because that also makes, makes me feel better and more focused. But yeah, <laughs> I don't actually do that that, that often. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that though. I'm also a morning person. Like I feel the same way. I feel like if I'm going to be super productive, like right when I wake up, drink some coffee and then I have to get stuff done in the first few hours, my like focus and energy is just like slowly degrades over the course of yeah. the day. I do kind of with my work schedule though, I, I do mostly have to record after work now, which kind of stinks. I feel like I'm maybe not a hundred percent of what I could be, but I feel like for the most part, it's still, it's still working out pretty mm -hmm. well. So can't complain too much, but cool. And this has been super fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to connect with you, they want to learn more about you and your story, where's the best place they can find you at online? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Eric. Um, so where people can find me, uh, I hang out on Instagram a lot um, at Digital Nomad Stories Podcast. Uh, I recently changed my handle, so I had to think there for a little bit. <laughs> Um, also at the podcast babes um, yeah the podcast babes is where um, like my brand where what I am everywhere so it's also the website is the podcastbabes.com um, I'm also on Facebook and everywhere the podcast babes yeah awesome I will link those up in the show notes so people can check them out thank you cool and thanks so much for being on the show thank you this was great yes cheers Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Nomad on Fire podcast. If you like the show, if you could do us a huge favor, and please subscribe on whatever platform that you're using to listen to this. If you could also leave a five-star review, that would really help us out and allow the show to be available to more people. See you next time on the Nomad on Fire podcast.